Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we uh, talk about the racing news and the races from this past week and then preview next week. Joining me in the studio, Louise Torres, Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing? Good, thank you. Not too bad. Not too bad. So let's uh, let's go ahead and lead off with NASCAR. We've been a uh, um, shuffling NASCAR to the end of our show lately. And uh, so we'll show, we'll show the, the NASCAR boys a little love this week and then lead off with them since there is some really compelling NASCAR news that uh, broke last week and some more that broke today. Uh, as you may have heard the Brad Keselowski going to Roush racing as a part owner uh, has been reported by a number of very credible journalists, although not officially announced by either team uh, and Brad won't say anything himself either, but uh, a lot of uh, credible sources um, say that that's a done deal. Uh, but we don't know that it's a done deal because it's not official. However, what is official is that uh, Chip Ganassi sold his cup team in its entirety to uh, Justin Marks and track house racing. And uh, one of their other partners, there, track houses are also Pitbull. Um, they, they, they were, leasing a charter i believe uh but now they'll now they own two outright so they should be that should be a two-car team next year um and evidently you know chip uh there were some rumors flying around in the indycar garage earlier this year that chip was on the fence about staying in nascar and and evidently from what chips uh said and what i've read is that uh justin marks made him a pretty good offer that was reasonable and made sense so um which one of you guys wants to go ahead and uh, delve into this a little bit? I guess I'll start off with it. The, the thing with Brad Keselowski and Roush, I think it's more or less it's a contract clause deal where he can't really say anything until a certain point of the year. But it, it's going to be probably a heavy blow for Penske. And, and as a matter of fact, they already had another one with Todd Gordon calling it a day after 2021, who's been the crew chief for Logano and ryan blaney over the years so it's gonna be not only they're gonna to have to go through that but they're gonna lose their most experienced driver to go to another ford camp in roush which they're slowly getting it together with chris busher and ryan newman i think it does help the fact that you have two drivers that know how to take care of their equipment you have one guy trying to get into the playoff spot by points but he's had and busher 
he's had a tough stretch. Keselowski's, uh, I think he's more or less looking for change it, get back to the ownership because he's done it before with in the truck series with success, but she just could he couldn't continue with it to keep it sustainable because in 2017, he had Chase Briscoe and Austin Cindric, both at the time unproven drivers in NASCAR. So we'll see how it does, but the problem they're dealing with is Ryan Newman. Will he continue? I think he probably will. I still stand to the fact that he and Harvick are probably the two guys that are going to be there for another five to 10 years at this. Just have that passion. I'm not sure how accurate that's going to be, but I feel like they're going to be those two guys. Yeah, well, I think Brad is reaching a point in his career at his particular age uh, that, that he's looking for the next step in his career. And, uh, you know, well, team, team ownership is certainly uh, the next logical step for a guy like Brad who's who's well, live and breathe racing his whole life. Yeah. So, so Richard, just, go right sorry, ahead, intru- Sorry to interrupt you. Well, Brad already has a lot of uh, business outside of driving. He owns a yes. rapid prototype in manufacturing firm. That does a lot of 3D printing and uh, you know the like out here in in North Carolina. So he's certainly not one of these drivers that sort of is easily bored. I don't think you know he he likes to keep himself busy and uh, you know get out and do things. And I think this is a natural progression for him to go in there and uh, you know almost as we've seen last week as well in the in the Jeff Gordon sort of mold. You know, become right, heavily yes. involved yep. in the running of the team and and. You know, still be, still be as influential as he possibly can be in the sport, but all but the old, although not be it a driver, be it you know a team owner or a, or, a, or a you know chairman or whatever you want to describe his role there. I think he uh, he likes being influential and likes being you know at, at, the, at the sharp end of uh, of whatever he's doing. Right, and I feel like the, you know eventually you know Roush is going to dip out. I mean, you know, Jack Roush certainly isn't getting any younger. And, and, you know, I, I imagine there's going to be, a, you know, a, a buyout at some point in time in the future where maybe Brad brings another partner in or, or buys the whole thing outright. And I think that's when he's just, you know, securing his own future there. And again, like, like you alluded to the Jeff Gordon situation, we had talked about that two weeks ago on the show and that, that is all now official. Now he, he will be leaving the Fox broadcast booth and taking a uh, leadership position uh, with Hendrick Motorsports. Yes. Yes, indeed. And now with today's news, as we recorded, it's Ganassi and the whole thing. I feel like, to some extent, I can understand why some people feel like it was a long time coming. Because let's face it, Ganassi, compared to his IndyCar program, his dozens of sport car incarnations that he's had over the years, and all of the other ones, he's been really successful. Yeah. On the NASCAR end, he just hasn't been able to get the championship or dominance Aside from the first two seasons that he had, that he when he took over Felix Sabatis' entity in 0102 with Sterling Marlin. Then after mm. that, they've only had like a couple gems with McMurray 2010 winning all the major races, yet they didn't make the chase. And with Kyle Larson 2017, who had, outside of Truex probably was the best of the rest. Yeah. Well, so I you mean, at- you're, you're leaving out Jimmy Spencer, you know. No, yeah, for sure. The one time he had a shot of winning in 02 before Kurt kind of nudged him out of the way. Right. Which and, 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 and of course, of course, I always thought that Montoya was uh, pretty interesting in that car as well. I mean, he, you know, he had uh, some really good runs. He won a couple of road course races, nearly won the Brickyard 400. But but to your point, even back in the Sabatis days, right? 
other than a few moments of, of glory, that's never been a, a top tier team. They've always yeah. been either like right on the cusp or, or struggling to stay mid pack. So, uh, you know, chip dipping out at this point, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't blame him. He's uh, he's picked up the extreme, the extreme E team. You know, he's got mm-hmm. uh, his Cadillac uh, program is fairly strong. His he's uh, expanded to four cars in IndyCar. So he's got a lot on his plate. So, yeah. And I think this shows you the only disappointing thing is that rather than gaining a car with Trent House having a second, we're going to lose the car for the lack of better terms. Cause that yeah. leaves one, one current Ganassi driver, maybe guaranteed to go to that second team. And that's either going to be Kurt Busch or Ross Chastain. Or, and, or somebody not named. There's yeah. No, there's no guarantee for either Kurt or, Ross, you know, somebody was saying that, uh, you know, if the the 42 sponsors wanted to stick with uh, the 42 car. Well, I mean, if you think about it, right, the 42 sponsors are uh, Clover, uh, McDonald's, um, Advent Health and Credit One. And they were all existing sponsors on that team before Ross, Ross Chastain took that car over. Those those yeah. sponsors are aligned with Chip. They're not aligned with Ross Chastain. Yeah. And it was the Larson possibility suspension. Right. And, and well, what's the possibility that, that Chip entices you know, one or more of those sponsors to say, hey, take a look at my guy, Alex Palou here. This guy's leading the championship, winning races. Take a look at uh, the fact my IndyCar team, my, the four teams I have, three of them have won races, you know. And and I'll tell you or, what, you, you'll get in here for less money than NASCAR, uh, you yeah. know. And or that, maybe look pretty on a IMSA car because right now it's just certainly a yeah. Cadillac. Which there's no problem with it. I mean, the last time we saw a full-fledged gray sports car was the Mercedes, and it turned out well. But it could help them, too, like Kevin Magnuson and all those folks down there. But to your point, exactly, would they want to go to IndyCar if interested? Because imagine if McDonald's comes back to Indy in American Open Wheel Racing. McDonald's is what's synonymous with dominance, the champ car with Bourdais. Certainly, yeah. And, you know, that, that whole deal was a very interesting business to business deal. Also, though, I, I don't know if you recall that that was the Newman Haas team they were sponsoring mm-hmm. right about that same time. All of McDonald's salads came with Newman's own salad dressing. Yeah, so there was a there was a little, you know, uh, you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours a little bit. But that certainly, uh, you know, and they they McDonald's stuck around. They sponsored Canon uh, for a while in the was it a Forsyth car? Yeah, the the outsider Forsyth car because the other of, two cars were players. And yet there's that one McDonald's car. Yeah, well, didn't he have a different engine? The one, believe, one was a Honda, and the other two were Mercedes. I believe so. Yeah, it was really it was really a weird little deal. Yeah, but having McDonald's back in the series would be neat. I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure McDonald's would be happy to align themselves with somebody like a Scott Dixon, you know, or even Alex Palou, or heck, a Jimmy Johnson. You know what I mean? But I mean that's all neither here nor yeah. there. But but what we, what we do know is that Daniel Suarez is signed on for 2022. So Suarez, Which is good. Suarez will be in one of those cars, and then the other car, whether they decide to keep the one or keep the 42, uh, I don't know which number they'll keep. But uh, like I say, you know, Bush and Chastain are certainly in the frame there. Uh, you know, Bush has the um, nice relationship with Monster. Uh, which uh, and they are aligned with Kurt and not with Chip, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see unless you know somebody entirely different comes in there, and then Pearl Ross is looking for work. 
Yeah, it's gonna come at an inconvenient time because he had a he did all he was gonna look good at Pocono, but then Gremlins happened, especially the second one at tail end where he had mechanical problems. But Nashville, he really delivered his best performance in Cup to date. So I think now more than ever, he's going to have to really put runs like that if he's going to be a worthy candidate for it because there's also still that possibility of 23-11, which they finally got their top five, top, let, let alone a top 10 this season with Bubba as the second Pocono race we'll discuss more later. They might want to, they still talked about maybe them going to a second team and <laughs> Kurt could be a candidate as well. Because what Kurt brings to the table is kind of like, Similar to Alonso, minus the quote-unquote toxicity, he makes cars look good when they sh- probably shouldn't have been, or make teams better. He, when he came into Phoenix Racing, they had one of their better performances. It's just Kurt's attitude and also the team were not ready to mesh well, to be on par with the big boys. Goes to Furniture Row, did really good. Goes to Stuart Haas, that 41 team, he got it together. Ganassi. They're showing consistency. That's the thing about, I mean, good results, performance, but the consistency is still lacking. I yeah, think- I mean, I honestly, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for Kurt Busch. You know, I had, I had a chance to kind of meet meet him and, and speak with him when he ran the Indy 500 a couple of years ago when I was covering the 500. And I just, I you know, I just really was impressed with the guy. You know, I'm like, here's a guy who's got his stuff together. Here's a guy with a great head on his shoulders. You know, Here, here's a guy that, that takes a good approach to stuff. So, I mean, that, that's a guy you would want, you know, when you're, when you're trying to build a, build a new team. So, but my other question now, so he was the one guy, so Kurt Busch was the one guy that Richard Childress always wanted in the, in the, uh, in, in his team. Cause he said that he reminded him most of, of Dale Earnhardt in the way that he drove a car. I, well, that's and, high praise. It's high praise. And, with your children. And track house is, is with ECR alignment, which more than likely they probably might stick. And I think honestly, they should probably stick together. And who knows? Maybe Kurt ends up with RC. Who knows? Who really knows if they have the budget? Of course, Kurt has sponsorship, but how much will Monster be invested on probably getting RCR back to a 13 if he goes, if we're, yeah. we're nowhere near talking about RCR quite yet, as far no. as the and, and the problem is next year, the costs skyrocket next year for all the teams with the new, um, yeah, and the new car and the, the charters being chassis. around 10 million to get yeah, one. So, so everybody that's what's like, keeping Earnhardt out, yeah. It's oh, yeah, the, definitely. The well, I mean, of, good time. Oh, for- the common chassis is gonna, you know, the the, the, the you know, universal chassis basically is going to reduce costs but it will eventually but the first couple of years it's going to be astronomically expensive the teams to buy them all yeah it's going to be a lot of money up front now my question is uh, maybe richard you know this maybe louise you do the charter that track house is currently leasing who owns that charter because that that's going to be a floating charter that was a spire one that's one of the yeah. when colleague got the two charts from spire one of the two from Spire came from the 99 because they were unleashed. Because as I think, if I recall, I mentioned the 77 charter was the 95 of Levine family the year before. The one in the 99 has was the 77 from the year before. It's kind of interesting how numbers switch, but this, uh, the original, you get my point. The 99 was the 77s from the year prior. And the 77 right now was the 95s charter. Yeah, so you can see somebody picking up that charter. You got a couple of 
unchartered guys there at the back of the field. Uh, but I, I don't know that they, you know, got that kind of scratched to <laughs> lease the charter, but, uh, but that, that is another floating charter that I, and, and like you said, um, 23 XI is looking to expand to two cars. Maybe they can lease that charter. Hey, there's going to be a all out battle. Who gets the charger? Will it, will the 51 lose the charger because they're the bottom of the points? Will they end up being bottom of the points for the third straight here? Because if they do, NASCAR have the right to pull that charger away and perhaps they could give it to somebody. I don't know, maybe a JTG racing. I don't know how they're going to do it because we've never been in that position before where somebody loses a charter because they were in the bottom 30 dead last in among the 36 teams for three straight years. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting, silly season NASCAR for sure. Then, then of course there's the question of, you know, the, the two car, if it's vacated by Keselowski, does that mean that Cindric goes ahead and jumps right to the two car and skips his season with the Wood Brothers? And then and, keep and, and does, and does Matt DiBenedetto get to keep in that car? Or are the Wood Brothers going to hold Penske to the deal and say, no, we want Austin Cindric? That's going to be a curious thing because <laughs> we got that. We also have how many more cars we're going to have because I feel like. With today's announcement, it's going to be about the same 38, 39 cars, maybe 40. But with the today's, I, th- I thought we we're going to have at least more than 40 cars on a weekly basis trying to go for full-time competition because I think GMS is only a limited schedule next year, if I recall. Which people forget that GMS are also going to dive in the cup, but the question is, I think more than likely they're part-time. I haven't fully checked because it's been a hectic couple of weeks, especially this week alone with all that stuff that I'm dealing with personally, but that's we'll talk about that some other time. But it's an interesting time period. I think it's a good problem to have when you have so many cars interested and so many teams wanting to fight for a charter, but it's the matter of the integrity of the RTC. If you guess have like a Rick Weir Racing or a Starcom going to be up battling for that. It's like, look, we have it. Why should we give it up and all that? It's going to be, a, I feel it's going to be a nasty development over time. And just to show you that 36 teams, it's like we've, we've gone beyond that. It's time to let go, but that's not going to happen. But the, th- the thing is, with this whole charter scheme, you know, the, the teams, you know, they, they voted for it, for want of a better word. You know, they instigated it all a few years back now. And, excuse me, they, they were privy to the writing of the rules and in agreement to the rules and you know, they know, all know how the game's played. And if they're going to, you know, start trading um, charters and, you know, moving them all around and trying to play silly games with it, NASCAR's, you know, that's not why NASCAR introduces the charter scheme. It's yeah. to protect the owners and to protect the sport. And if they want to start screwing around, buying them and selling them and then leasing them and then doing all this other stuff. And that's where I... You, you look at some of the smaller teams who are, and I, I don't, and I'll be honest, I don't know what the internal thought is within NASCAR, but I, you take Rick Ware Racing. Now, you know, as you say, they're on the verge of forfeiting a charter by finishing last, you know, for three years in a row, whatever it may be. And, you know, I know they've leased out and sold and, you know, begged and borrowed with a lot of their charters. I imagine that NASCAR would not be too unhappy if Rick Ware disappeared. Um, 
you know, he's he, he has a certain reputation in the series. And you look at, you know, the guys like, uh, you know, the 2311 team and what Trackhouse are doing now. They're far more established. And, and also you look at um, colleague coming in, you know, you look at these teams and you see, okay, well, these guys are trying to do it properly. And they're putting money up and they're investing and they're trying to make a real go at it. I mean, you know, Trackhouse, you know, uh, Ganassi wouldn't have been sold for a, you know, a pack of candy. You know, that's, uh, there's going to be some serious cash thrown around there to make that deal happen. And, you know, I know the 2311 guys are putting a lot of money in and, and colleague has always put a lot of money in and act very professionally throughout their Xfinity growth. And, you know, Rick Ware just seems to want to do everything on the cheap. And NASCAR wants to get away from that. You know, you look at, there's been some other teams, Rick Starcom as well was another example of that, you know, just trying to just get by. And that's not what NASCAR wants. NASCAR wants top level professional racing organizations. And I hope this charter scheme, and as we're coming up for these renewal of charters, starts to filter out some of these guys because they don't take it seriously. They're not in it for the sport, they're in it for themselves. Yeah, because right now, I think half of the 30, original 36 are still with the original charter. And this includes number swapping, like number swappings, like with motorsports, as far as the lineage is concerned. But it's just, it's, it kind of shows you in five or six years' time, only half of them still have their original charter from day one. The other half are either shut down, like a furniture row, a Levine family racing. And as far as Starcom, Five, what, what, four, three, four, three years ago, they had two cars. Now they've just been focusing on that one. But the thing is, it's just kind of like you have a driver that is trying to prove himself, but they thrust him into the spotlight way too soon than he ought of in Quinn Health. He's been a little bit better. I say little. And then as far as Spire, it wasn't that long ago. Spire would be just kind of like worse than Rick Ware Racing. And now they're slowly putting the pieces together. As you see with Corey LaJoy, sometimes Justin Haley in their runs. So th- at least they're building, they're cut, getting rid of that awful stigma they had when they came in as being awfully slow. And kind of like how you said about Rick Ware Racing, that's how they view them. Question is, over time, is that if they're still going to grow? I think they're fully committed with Corey LaJoy. And LaJoy has done exponentially good things for that seven team. And that's why they still have that charter. They're willing to keep Corey and keep that charter because if the batches, they lost all of their charter, they probably would have not give up their two charters to colleague if they knew they had somebody in their hands they want to keep. If that made any sense at all. Oh, that made some sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after um, jumping through all them hoops there. So uh, speaking of Rick Ware, though, you know, if he's, uh, <laughs> you know, somehow booted out of NASCAR. He's, he continues to up his presence in IndyCar. If you, if you haven't heard, he'll be the Rick Ware with Dale coin entry. will be fielding uh, Ryan Norman at, um, mid Ohio this weekend, Ryan Norman, a graduate of the, uh, Indy lights, uh, series there. So that's, again, that's the Rick Ware car. So. Yeah. And it's sponsored by Dale coin. He spent re- recently running M's, uh, as he even recently won as well, a race, in the IMSA category as well. So he's kept himself very busy. Should be an interesting opportunity how he how he fares in that one. Of course, it is the 52 team that recently got a top 20 with Cody Ware, who held his own. But it's curious to see how he does at a track like Mid-Ohio, which shouldn't be much of an issue, but 
maybe a top 20 is possible. Time will tell. But as obviously, of course, they're aligned with with Roman Grosjean, who's probably have probably among the rookie co- the rookie trio, the best, more con- the more consistent out of the trio. So we'll see how he does. But at least he knows. Like, is this the funny thing? Sports cars and open wheels. He seems to do well as a supporting role. Sports cars more of their stronger suit, despite the field not being strong because of the quantity of cars when you compete in Asia Le Mans. But that's. But a NASCAR and they gotta figure something out. Seems like right now the, the sometimes it's Cody and sometimes and more often than not JJ Yaley's been the more strongest of the team that could put him in the top twenty-five uh, when he gets the chance to drive the main car of the fifty-one. And it's like with Billicky, no no disrespect because I like the dude and all, but good grief, that fifty-two car has not shown anything. 53, the same thing. Hopefully, luck changes with Ryan Eversley. Drives the car in mid-Ohio. I mean, Road America this Sunday. But I'm not really expecting much. We'll see. We'll see. Well, before we start previewing Road America, let's talk about Pocono. Because we had not one, but two cup races. uh, As well as the uh, Xfinity guys were in action, too. Were they not? Yeah, Pocono. All three series ran a Pocono Truck Series. Saturday, Xfinity. Sunday morning. The trucks was John Hunter Nemechek. Xfinity was Austin Cindric over Ty Gibbs. As far as the cup race, though, Hendrick Motorsports could have probably won those two. And I was half right in my prediction. I got the teams right. You got the teams not the, right. Yep. Not, not the, the drivers. drivers. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kyle Larson had that one one. Yeah, it you know was I mean? his. He, and it was it was, you know, just wonderful to watch him during those closing laps to stalk down uh, uh, was it Bowman. Yeah, Alex Bowman. It reminded yeah, I, me so I, I much mix of, up I mix up Bowman and Byron all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, to, to stalk stalk Bowman and go ahead and, and and you know just you know lap after lap and then finally make that pass with just a few to go and then on you know on the penultimate lap there, boom right into the wall with the tire going down coming into the final corner. Yeah, he, had, he was like 12, fifteen seconds away from winning that race and that battle with Larson Bowman so reminded me of Earnhardt Jr. and Bobby Labonte. Mirror by almost very like, except Bobby got by Junior with two to go. Larson took them four left, got him with four to go. That was totally heartbreaking because he could have become the first driver since Jimmy Johnson in 2007 to win four in a row in the Cup Series. And had he won that and the fuel economy worked for in Larson's favor on Sunday, he probably would have been joined a rarer club of five in a row that. I think among the National Touring Series, Ron Hornaday is the last one to do it in the Truck Series over a decade ago. Then nobody seems to remember these days. But nobody going back seems to race, remember Ron Hornaday. As far as the Truck Series, he won five in a row. I was going to say, yeah, he's Ron Hornaday was the king of the Truck Series for <laughs> for and forever. His run, and then forever, we yeah. But that was ho- totally heartbreaking for Lars. But imagine who would have thought Alex Bowman would have three wins at this point? I know, I. And remember when he won at Dover, not many people, people thought it was like, who would have thought he would have been a multi-time winner? The first out of the Hendricks table be the multi-time winner of the bunch. Then Larza got the ball rolling like we've seen. But Bowman, again, it's kind of like ultimate opportunist for Alex Bowman. Like all the races he's won, especially the last two came at the expense of Larson or his team. Because those two, Dobro, it seems like Larson had this in the bag. Then he had, Larson's crew had a tough pit stop, but with Bowman nailing it. 
it's been a team effort, and I think that will help them in the long run. Teams win championships more often than not. The way things are panning out with Bowman, he could be in that title mix. He's just, oh, he, he's, he sure could. Yeah, he's, he's driving very well, very smart. Just polished some things then and there. That's been my main criticism. Just needs to have more stronger results on more consistent basis. That's why he's much lower than Elliott, who only has one win in as far as the regular season and cumulative points is concerned right now. But he does have the wins. That And Larson finished ninth through it all. So, yeah, I mean, hit, hit the wall, still finished ninth. You still walked away with a top 10, second place the next day. Somebody had pointed out, they said, oh, man, bad weekend for Kyle Larson. I'm like, I don't know, man, a ninth and a second. A lot of he's guys still, farther down the order would say that's a thing. great weekend. You he's know, still, he still cut some of Danny Hamill's regular season points lead down. Yeah, a- absolutely. He yeah. still he still did no matter what. And I, I think those stage points really help Larson that one, because, of course, the more stage points you collect, no matter where you finish, you'll probably still be getting more points than the guys five spots ahead of you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's how Martin Truex won a championship a couple of years ago. He had so many stage points. You yeah. could, you couldn't knock him out of the playoffs. So now Richard, yeah. are you, you get your audio problems fixed? We're all good. We're all good. There you go. Yeah. I love the sound of your voice. So well, oh. <laughs> what, what, what were your thoughts on Pocono one? Uh, I, I didn't catch all of the race, but the, the highlights that I did see, it was, uh, you know, just, you know, Carl Carl Larson show again, wasn't it? You know, or really, you know, up until the last few corners there, and uh, it's actually, you know, looking back at it, you could see that front left tire had gone down somewhere between turns one and two, and he was actually lucky he didn't hit the wall earlier um, and finish even further down. But uh, you know, typical Hendrick there, they you know they have one car drop out and then they snatch it with the second car, so pretty pretty impressive, really. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean that that whole team's on fire this year. Yep. So I guess that you know, and it, it's so funny because a few years back, we were kind of you know, questioning their choices of uh, hiring all that youth. You know, well, I think it shows that. But uh, you know, that's you know if you a couple if you years on, up, yeah, if you pick up the talented drivers at a young age, and you know, there's no doubt in Chase and William Barron. You know, the, those are two of the outstanding and. And Alex Bowman's done a you know very very good job. I think probably better, certainly better than I expected when he took over the eighty-eight or whatever it, you know, however that's structured. Uh, and of course, Kyle Larson becoming available last year, and uh, you know, picking up this year. You know, they've saved a huge amount of money. Um, you know, in, in terms of driver salaries in the last few years, considering you know the use of Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, and. Dale Earnhardt Jr., I mean, those three drivers, probably their salaries was more than the rest of the field combined. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, you know, and, and Dave, I know, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people there and I was, I've spoken with them myself. You know, they're, they're investing heavily in their engineering facilities and it's starting to show, you know, not, you know, by pure solid week in, week out performances. And, uh, you know, it was a it was a calculated risk, should we say, but it's one that's certainly paying off in the long run. Oh, it's paying off for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I just I just vividly remember us talking about this as the, you know, as all, all the, the big the big money guys, the big hitters were leaving the team and they kept hiring these young guys. You know, we speculated, well, you know, there's no real team leader there. It's down and now it's just Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, but my, but my gosh, these guys have, uh, all these young guys are really good. So, and, and, you know, that's, you've got to consider the future of the sport. These guys will be winning races for years and years to come. Yeah. The, oh, obviously sure. the big question is the new car. Of course, we'll see how, they fair because remember this gen six era Hendrick has not been to had n- honestly never really been the strongest team uh, all things considered it's been Penske Stewart Haas and Gibbs this entire time along with furniture row for a couple years yeah and but now be- Hendrick are finally hitting their stride yes they have two championships maybe a third by the end of the year but as far as being that strong powerhouse when they were in the COT days and even the gen four that was that was really not the case until just now they're but, finally got it together. But you look at has to say how they're doing it. You know they've they've stripped back their expenses, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, I don't care what you say. You know, you need your engineering budget, and your engineering budget at Hendrick is probably the highest in the in in the in the sport right yeah. now, and they're doing it right. And you know, even until. You know, three or four years ago, they were still on the learning curve because I think Hendrick was the last of the big teams to actually get one of these Hawkeye laser scanners, which NASCAR uses now for inspection. Um, but, you know, they, they obviously, you know, and they were quite probably quite rightly in for some criticism at that point. But they've certainly sort of shown that they're working in the right direction. And, you know, they've got the young drivers that they can build, you know, in parallel, you know, you don't build a, a, a team around the drivers, you build a team around a car and a philosophy and the drivers and the engineers and the fabricators, they're all part of that common philosophy. You look at Gibbs, Gibbs are going to, you know, in two or three years time, Gibbs are going to be where Hendrick was three or four years ago. You know, when, you know, the, those drivers I mentioned a minute ago, you know, the Dale Earnhardt Jr., the Jimmy Johnson, the Jeff Gordon's, when they all left, there was a vacuum within the team. Gibbs is going to have the same problem coming up soon when, you know, when Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. and, and Kyle Busch, when those guys leave, because they're not going to be all around in five years' time. There's going to be that void there as well. So how are Gibbs going to react? Are they going to go down the same route? Now, Gibbs do have a very, very good junior program for development. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what Hendrick does from a development program if, Junior Motorsport sets up a cup team because obviously at the moment, Junior Motorsports and Xfinity is the Hendrick 
feeder program, if you like, uh, without mm-hmm. you know, because they obviously don't have an Xfinity team um, themselves. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how you know all this plays out and what you know. Sport, unfortunately, is a very instantaneous business. You know, we all want results now or next week. We, you know, you very rarely it takes a very, very diligent and very, very dedicated owner, which I think Rick Hendrick is and has been to very pragmatic and look at the long term. Said, yeah, we may go three or four years without winning a championship, or we may have a couple of drivers that go a season without winning a race. You know what? We're okay with that because I'd rather win, you know, 10 championships in 20 years than win two out of the next three, but then that'd be the only two in the next 20 years because we go, we lose, you know, we go bankrupt because we, we've spent all our money yeah, on a big name driver. Yeah. And with Gordon coming into the threshold big time now next year, he's always been there. Remember, Gordon has owner championships with Jimmy Johnson. People tend to forget it. He's had as many owner championships as probably as, his, as a driver because of yeah. that co ownership with Jimmy, but now he's taking over. So it'd be curious to see how further they'll develop because essentially at the end of the day, they could be looking at Gordon as the main guy in the future. Oh, without a doubt. And it's a natural progression, isn't it? Again, it's the long-term strategy that uh, Rick Hendricks put in place. He knows he's not going to be as, you know, no disrespect to the guy. The the amount of time and effort it needs to run a NASCAR team is phenomenal. And he's not going to be able to put that effort in in 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it may be. Yeah, And, and I think... And I think, you know, you, you see it, um, you know, Penske, you know, with, with promoting um, uh, Tim Sendrick into that role. Uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see what happens at Gibbs because, you know, of course it was a terrible loss of his son there who was probably like the heir apparent to that organisation, how Gibbs is going to react. You know, Childress is doing it a little bit with Mike Dillon, who, of course, is Austin Dillon's father there. Gibbs They're are still kind of doing it with Coy. Because I think the ARCA program, Coy Gibbs is the main owner of Ty's yeah. car. But it'd be interesting but, to see, you know, of course, obviously with Ganassi, there's been that whole new structure. Stuart Haas obviously has Tony Stewart. He's probably going to be that next, you know, the guy that takes over from uh, from Gene when he when he sort of takes more of a backseat. So it's fantastic. I, I find this fascinating looking at all the sort of chess moves that are going on in the background and all the politics of it and who's putting themselves in what position and who's being hired for what role. And, uh, you know, there's some certainly some interesting moves going on there in the background. And, uh, you know, that it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see the changing of the guard over the next two or three years. And uh, if not longer, you know, five years maybe. But I think gone are the days of somebody just going like completely cutting off and somebody else coming in. It's, it is obviously you know, a, a gradual transition now. And, uh, and these guys are getting smarter at it. You know, they're not just gone are the days of, you know, because you're a good driver, you make a good team owner, you know, or it's not a good old boys sport anymore where all the deals are doing handshakes and, you know, you, you, you go to a sponsor, hey, I can have, you know, half a million dollars or whatever. Oh, yeah, sure. Get one of your drivers to come and kiss a baby and shake a few hands or whatever. You know, that, those days are gone now. It's a business. And yep. to see how it's changing is, is fascinating. And, you know, I think Jeff Gordon is great. He's very articulate. He's very um, diligent. I think in the way you know he doesn't say much, but when he what he does say is very important. People listen to him. 
So I think he's great in that role. Um, and yeah, I think it's it, it's going to be fascinating. No, yeah, I mean, sure. honestly, you know, when you talk about the, you know, it's no longer the old school, you know, driver will make a good team owner as a sport evolves. You don't have to look any further than uh, two, two race teams that come to mind. One being Richard Petty Motorsports, the other being AJ Foyt to, to, to see two teams that uh, were successful in, in an older, older model, but, but are, yeah. are struggling, struggling now. Yeah. Because, they, and, and, I, and, and, because I don't think they brought that, that new blood in there that uh no uh, this is an interesting thing that you 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 know you you point out here you look at in you know nascar especially who's successful at the moment and who's not you you mentioned one there you know with petty and i i raised another one in there and and you know i i work for the guy so i've got respect for him but richard childress there you know those guys and uh, and chip ganassi to a certain extent their races term team owners. Yeah, they're Justin not, Marks right now too. Let's yeah, not forget. But but they're not businessmen per se. You know, you look at Rick Hendrick, Joe Gibbs, Roger Pensky, Gene Hess, all four of those who are arguably the four dominant team owners at the moment have all made their money outside of racing. Yep. So they know day one how to balance the books. Now, there is a, 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 a team out there who you look at their board of directors, their chief financial officer, he's not an accountant, their commercial director, he's not a you know, guy who deals with sponsorship. They used to be pit crew guys 30 years ago for one of the drivers. They're in those positions, not because they're good at what they do, it's because it's an, you know, an old boys club. And that team isn't doing particularly well right now, unsurprisingly. You would never have, you know, Rick Hendrick appointing somebody without cause. You know, Rick Hendrick would have no issue turning around to Jeff Gordon and saying, you're not doing a good job, you're out. No, you know, no doubt about that for one moment. So it's, it, it's a business and people don't realise that. They really, really don't. And it'll be fascinating to see how it grows and develops and, and, and sort of, you know, where we are in, in, in five or 10 years time with the sport, with this more professional outlook on it. It may not be as dramatic from the fan standpoint, because as a business owner, you don't want your drivers fighting or being suspended or all of this crap that goes on that the fans love you want results. So it's going to be interesting, really interesting to see how that dynamic changes. And it is, but it'll be interesting to see where it is in 10 years. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a couple of other really good examples out there that, that you could point out, like uh, let, let's say Mario Andretti, for example, right. Mario had never ever wanted to be a team owner. Right. But, but he's always said, he goes, you know, Michael had this head for business since he was young and he was interested. He was always interested in the business side of the sport. And, and then, you know, Michael's been a pretty darn successful team owner in his post-racing years. Uh, but, but it's something Mario never felt. Mario said he just wanted to drive the car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, he, but he, you know, Michael actually, you know, he, he, he went to business school while he was uh, running in the SCCA. Um, and he, he owns various other businesses other than the race team. Uh, and he's been quite successful with that. And uh, now Justin Marks. 
Uh, Louise, you had mentioned him. And that's the that's our uh, the new owner of Chip Ganassi. Uh, what's what's his background? I know a little bit about Justin. I you know well, seen as him drive a driver here there. As a driver, he did drove for Chip, won a race in that wet mid Ohio. Was it mid Ohio Road America? It was a very rainy. He won an Xfinity race with them, uh, with Chip Ganassi. He was a profound road racer. He, it seems like even when I first interviewed, when I interviewed him at Sonoma 2018, he had the mind, he's kind of had a great business mindset, like wants to do more than just racing. He also liked doing the outdoor stuff and all of that. But he, uh, even when he retired from driver, call it a career, when I saw social media, it seems like people, he seemed like he understood the speech, understood the sport, some of the issues, kind of like, Got it. He had. That's why I said the brains. Uh, Justin Marks has been vital, and also he's still young and all that. Obviously, we still have like young, real young owners like George Steinbrenner, the Fort, and also Sam Hunt on the NASCAR side that Ferrucci has been driving for this year. But Marks just stood out because he's very articulate, very savvy on his mindset. He's, now, where did where did he make his money? Because obviously, this Ganassi deal is not going to be cheap. And I don't think Pitbull's footing the whole bill. I mean, does he have some other business interests uh, that where he's? Uh... If I recall, yes, he does. This would have been an excellent does, question yeah. to ask ask Seth because he probably would tell you from the right out of the get go. Because I know he's done some stuff in karting. I think he owns the Go Pro karting facility somewhere in North Carolina as well. He has some businesses then and there, and I think also. Left and right, but I couldn't exactly tell you much because that one is kind of like missy wash as far as what I can recall. But I do know that he was a pretty good, he was a pretty stout driver, just not really had the kind of like the full bore funding to show his worth on a full time basis. Excellent road racer, great mindset. And I think that kind of shows you if you don't burn, somebody told me if you don't burn, as long, if you don't burn bridges. Dividends with long-term goals will pay off. And I think that's kind of how we see it with Justin and Chip. But he does oh, bring yeah, some money. Sure. Otherwise, he probably otherwise he probably not started his own team when it was just Justin Marks and Ty Norris. Pitbull came after the fray, like a couple months after the initial yeah, yeah. announcement. That was like the added bonus. It's like, sure, 2311 have the mega budget with MJ and all of that. And, and but with Pitbull, Pitbull bro has Pitbull has money. He brings some money in investment and all that, so that helped boost them a little bit more. And what we saw is like the right people they have. They have the right people, and it's showing right now. They've been the more consistent team compared to twenty three eleven. I'll be if they're not that far behind now, twenty three eleven compared to Trackhouse. So they're on par with top fifteen, top twenties. Just right now, the 99 just kind of have the staff. And also Hamlin is in his first year as invested as an owner, but he's also driving. So maybe in a few years when Hamlin's now done racing or scales back, maybe we'll see that team grow even further. Time will ultimately tell, of course. Time will tell. Now, speaking of which, we are kind of pushing our deadline here, and I, I do want to leave enough time to talk about the Formula One race out in Austria, the steering Grand Prix. But there was a second race at Pocono. And it was a certain Mr. Kyle Bush that won that race. And it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a uh, fuel mileage race. Well, not just that for Kyle. He also was stuck in fourth gear. <laughs> he had a strong car and then the gearing, the transmission was starting to backfire to where 
pit stops were going to be and restarts were going to be miserable for Kyle. They had to fix it because of something because they had tried like bungee cord to try and make the diagnosis so the car could continue. Because if that thing broke, be game over for Kyle and it'd probably be uh, even a more irate to a, a rather frustrating year again for Kyle. But fortunately, that didn't happen. They only, I think they only had like two restarts Kyle had to deal with and then two green flag pit stops. And yet, through all of that, they were found a way. <laughs> they found, found a way, way. Yeah. And, and it was a very significant win for Kyle because it puts him one ahead of Kevin Harvick and it makes Kyle Busch the winningest active driver in cup wins. Yeah, he now has 59 cup wins and they've and it continues his success on the national touring series. I think if he wins this weekend at Road America, he'll have his 200th win under the Toyota banner. He already has well over 200 national touring wins, but for Toyota, it'll be 200 should he win, I think, should he win this weekend. But no, this was like, well, I consider a Kyle, uh, one of the more defining Kyle Busch wins in his, of his career in the cup level. The fact that he, not, he had all the issues he dealt with and put himself in excellent position to go for the win and be ahead of Kyle Larson, whereas William Byron, Brad Keselowski, and Denny Hamlin could not make it on fuel. Kyle still fought, preserved, 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 and got the job done. I think it's, I wouldn't be surprised if there's lessons learned from when he ran out of fuel several years ago, the one that Kenseth won on a fuel mileage. Or maybe the transmission was maybe helped him a bit. But for no, luck was definitely on Kyle Busch's side this time around when things were looking like it's not going to happen. And the car finally broke and also I think fuel as well when he was done doing the celebrations because he had to coast it as much as possible. He had enough and a big old lead at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for him. Now, we're off to Road America, where the Cup Series hasn't raced since the 1950s, I believe. One time in 56. 56, yeah. So, uh, let's go ahead and pick a winner for uh, Road America real quick. I'll start with you, Richard. Chase Elliott. I was going to say, it's hard to look past Chase Elliott on a road course. Louise, who do you like? I'm going to go with William Byron. He had, well, we saw Sonoma the past two times out of the last three years. Yeah, he got taken out late in the race for all that mess, but I would not be surprised if Byron is in that mix. I think Byron could get it done. All right, and and I'm going to go with Martin Truex, another guy who's uh, pretty darn good on the road courses there, and uh, he's uh, he's needing to win. He's he's, he's scratching at it. So now, uh, Richard? Formula One was in uh, at the Red Bull ring, and it was the Red yep. Bull cars. Uh, the Red Bull car at the front, uh, Max Verstappen. Um, pretty dominating performance. Almost made it a little boring. It was, was kind of funny that, uh, you know, the Red Bull, was, Red Bull ring was boring and the Ricard race was interesting. But uh, go ahead, go <laughs> ahead take, a, take a few minutes and take us through the uh, Styrian Grand Prix. Yeah, it was... Uh... Probably not as eventful or as exciting as you'd, you'd, you'd hope, really. You know, you, you come off the uh, the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard, which is normally a, a sort of a, a bore fest. And, uh, you know, actually, it was the other way around, really, this time. Um, Valtteri Bottas managed to spin in the pit lane on uh, Friday, which incurred him a three-grid, uh, three, excuse me, three-place penalty um, on the grid for Sunday. 
So Verstappen got pole, Bottas was second, Hamilton was third after Mahita. Hamilton made a mistake on his flying lap, which sort of, but then with Bottas's penalty, that moved Hamilton up to uh, second and Norris was was third there. And it was a, a pretty, a pretty you know, relatively non-eventful race, really. You know, Max got the lead, Hamilton was second, you know. You heard on the radio all the talk about tyres and tyre management and stuff like that. You know, we need to get away from that desperately in the sport. We desperately need to get away from that and allow these guys to race properly. Um, but it was a it was a dominant performance by Red Bull, really. Uh, you know, the bit of action, the fact George Russell had a fantastic weekend, qualified in 11th, uh, started 10th after Sonoda got a penalty for blocking Bottas, I think it was. And then... Um, Ah, uh, Gasly and Science came together on the first lap, and that uh, meant George Russell was running in eighth, I think, for a while there, and was you know keeping up with Alonso and putting pressure on Alonso there to you know maybe get in the top seven. Uh, but unfortunately, he had um, a pneumatic air leak by looks of things, uh, which, which would have affected his gear shifting and his transmission. And um, you know, again, unfortunately, so so disappointing for George. He had to retire the car. And, I'm pretty certain if he had finished the race, he would have scored, uh, you know, scored his first points for Williams. And, um, yeah, devastating for those guys because they're, they're really starting to make progress. And, and George is driving fantastically well. I mean, if if any of the top teams, and I'm not necessarily pointing out Mercedes here, but if any of the top teams are looking at him, then, you know, they, they must be continually impressed by his performances here. Um there was a slightly sort of strange situation where Car Charles Leclerc actually won driver of the day for a drive from the back of the pack. Uh, but the, the reason he was at the back of the pack is because he, he chopped Pierre Gasly's uh, rear tyre to shreds, which put Gasly out of the race, broke Leclerc's front wing, and Leclerc had to go back to the pits for a new nose. So it sort of was almost a lap down at the end of the first lap. And yeah, you know, hey, he drove a great race to get back to where he was, but at the end of the day, he was his own fault. He was there, so it's a little bit of a, a, a quirk. But um, he even clipped Raikkonen's wing later on, and they did, even made yeah. a, they made a joke like, "Well, everyone but Raikkonen and Gasly would vote for him." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wrecked. Wrecked. Another good day for Gasly. I mean. Yeah, it was a shame. Yeah, I didn't say that. You know, you know me. I'm a Pierre Gasly fan. Oh, yeah, I can't I mean, say I can't say enough good things about that guy. But I mean, no. Leclerc. I mean, that guy's got so much talent and so much oh. potential. I I just hate the fact that uh, you know the Ferrari is just lagging behind the other teams there, and, and I'm well, just really interested to see they, what they do with the 2022 rules to see if they come out of the box a bit stronger. Again, Ferrari seemed, you know, you go back to 2019 when they had their engine irregularity. You're not allowed to say they were cheating. They had an irregularity. Um, and, you know, th- they struggled last year. And then this year, you know, you look at Monaco and Azerbaijan, they were suddenly quick. And then post-Azerbaijan, new tyre regulation, tyre pressure regulations came in and that dropped them back again. So they seem to fall victim to all of the little regulation changes that the FIA and, and Pirelli throw at them. And gone are the, uh, you know, the concept that the FIA was, what was it, the Ferrari International Assistance, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s when Schumacher was there. So the, the, they do... Oh, even, think, even earlier on than that. Yeah. You know, the, the, they have struggled a little bit. And you do hope that they've got a, you know, can produce a competitive car next year. But 
you know, you look at, I mean, goodness me, you look, you know, you could name four or five guys. You know, you look at, um, you know, Verstappen, Leclerc, um, Gasly, Russell. Uh, you know, you could even put Carlos Sainz in that, Lando Norris in that group. You know, Formula One is set for the next 10, 15 years with some of the talent that's out there at the moment. And we're not waiting for that talent to appear. They've already appeared. And it, it, it's fantastic to see. So, you know, the sport's in good hands. And we're back off to, to the Red Bull ring this weekend for the Austrian Grand Prix, as well as the Styrian Grand Prix. And, oh, yeah. Um, so, so who do you like for that? You think Max goes back to back? You certainly can't look past him. I mean, I don't know if they're running the same tyre compounds. I think they, I hope, God, I hope they go one softer. I hope because they were on the med- the middle three tyres of the five available uh, for last week. I hope they go to the three softest available compounds just to please make this a two-stop race. Please, please, please get rid of one-stop Formula 1 races. It is dire. You know, make it a minimum two-stop race. You know, make the... Oh, is it a two-stop? Is it a three-stop? You know, make it interesting. Give the drivers the ability to push the car and push their skills to the limit because at the moment they just don't have to do it you know they're just good tire management you know not necessarily flat out you know racing and that's not to say you wouldn't still get the same set of guys winning because the same set of guys that are you know are very very good at tire management also tend to be the fastest guys out there as well so you know i really would like to see them be able to push the cars and and hopefully, you know, going with a softer tire would, would allow that in a, in a sort of perverse way because they know they can't stretch it. If you know you can't stretch a tire to a one-stop, then you might as well push it hard and make a two-stop race out of it. Uh, so I expect you'll see something very, very similar to what we saw uh, last weekend. All right, so you're picking Verstappen? I think you've got to. Okay, um, and Louise, really Louise, you're picking? <laughs> so you got Verstappen, I think. Let's go for Bottas. Okay, and I'll I'll go with uh, Perez, which means Hamilton will win the race. Since none of us picked him, now uh, IndyCar is off to Mid Ohio this week, uh-huh. uh, which is uh, you know a little bit of Scott Dixon's playground. Scott has been consistently finishing well, uh, but he hadn't had a win since early in the season. Yeah, so, he hasn't um, had a win since he dominated the field. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. It's been it's been a good bit since we saw that. But last year, a lot, we of, these, a lot of these Dixon young guys, windows. a lot of these young guys winning, other than the old guy that won the five hundred. But uh, so, uh, who who do you like for Mid Ohio, Louise? I don't think you look best against. Uh, I don't think you can go against the Ganassi cars. But I feel like Joseph Newgarden's sense of urgency will finally prevail, and he'll get himself the win, and finally put Penske back in the victory circle and and real quick to make note about mid ohio felix rosequist and renas vk both will be back they've been medically cleared santino ferrucci will make his fourth ray hall letterman start of the year and of course we mentioned ryan norman earlier ryan norman will make his debut yep uh, yeah so it should be a pretty interesting race but yeah as much as i feel like it could be a ganassi race i think penske will finally break through kind of like last year with Will Power when he yeah. won the first one. Yeah, you can't you can't keep Penske down too long. But that being said, Richard, who do you like for Mid Ohio? 
uh, 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 Paddo Award. Uh, gee, yeah, it could be anybody, couldn't it? Really, at the top end there. Let's go with the award. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a guy who tested there the other day and and, and couldn't stop talking about how much fun it was to drive him in Ohio, and that would be a certain uh, Roman Grosjean. I'm going to say that he, cause he's been nipping at the bud on these, yeah, uh, on these road courses. So uh, I think he finally uh, pulls one off and, uh, and uh, gets to win. So, so that'll be this weekend. So uh, uh, road America for NASCAR, Austria for um, formula one, mid Ohio for IndyCar, another pack weekend. There'll be another um, SRX race. Yep. Uh, Saturday night. Yep, Lucas Oil Raceway Park. Tony Stewart won the race at Eldora. Had a fantastic battle with Cody Swanson, who ended up second in that in that event. And Paul Tracy and Bobby Labonte feuding is an actual thing. Of all people picking on Bobby Labonte, why? Because he's Paul Tracy. Of course, I know that. <laughs> it was like he. It, it's funny though. It's like he didn't even attempt to get by Bobby. He just flat out dumped him. As, brightest day i've never seen somebody that dump some oh it's fun that's the thing and the other thing didn't didn't um marco andretti win a win one of the heat races yes he did yeah so good for marco that guy is not uh seen a checkered flag in a while 2011 i think yeah he hasn't won since 2011 of course he won an indy 500 poll last year but other than that yeah i mean poll is one thing but uh you know checkered flag even though it's just a heat race yeah, good for Marco, you know, because he's trying to uh, he stepped away Try from, different things. Yeah, stepped away from full time IndyCar racing and trying a few different things. So uh, uh, hopefully yeah. he's having fun with this. And, um, and Elio has really Elio had a pretty darn good showing on on dirt. He adapted quite well. Be, honestly, if you put him in a chili bowl, if interested or a major dirt race, I think he can probably hold his own. It'll be a neat challenge to see him do it. After what uh, I saw, I mean, I mean, Elio is proving that age is only a number. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that guy. Yeah, I mean, the, the Indy 500 run this year still. I mean, I, I've watched it like a couple of times again. It's just still, uh, you know, his his level of skill uh, that he used to, 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 you know, wrestle that race away from Alex Pillow. Um, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I love it for the old guys. It's but, been a cause month I'm one though. of them. <laughs> it's been a month though. And I should seriously start getting writing that blog about my 500 experience. Because yeah. Yeah. You should have had you time. Should. All right. Well, speaking of time, we are out of it. So, uh, I want to thank you, uh, Louise. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo radio network for hosting us. I want to thank, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you folks who listen to us. Until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 